right, good morning, folks. This song doesn't hit like a like a Monday morning should. I, we this should be like much more like Beastie Boys sabotage or something. I feel like this is like an outro song. All set up for the stream. Sound effects board stops working uh, the second I say let's go. So uh, you know, s- s- grab grab hold of your pants because I don't know what's gonna happen with this stream. Let me know if you can hear me. Let me know if you can hear me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stream. <clears throat> Today is Monday, January 9th. I hope you had a lovely weekend. Welcome to episode 277 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Harish, Kimberly, Hussein, Kayla, not only IT, Robert Moritz, and so many others will be discussing the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. Or if you're about to break in, like if you're about to kick a hole in the industry, haircut fish, looking at you in five days from now, we got you covered. But before we dig into the show, I'd love to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. Really genuinely appreciate the support. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues, y'all and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions and Eric Taylor knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. I've got their website up on stream right now. Guys, you might be like, I don't understand what he's talking about. Like, Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. What do I do with that information? Here's the where the rubber meets the road. If you get hit by a threat actor, which is not unlikely, what are you gonna do? If you don't have a plan on how to handle that, if you're just like, ah, like frozen, chances are you need someone like Barricade Cyber Solutions in your corner, okay? Randock Gaming, I just played the sound effect. Up, we're back, do we just become best friends? Let me know if you heard it on stream. I literally can't hear it. So if you can't hear it, Randock, I'll be doing manual sound effects today. Let me know in chat if you don't hear the sound effects. I'll do a yeet right now also. Let me know if you heard the yeet. All right. Go to barricadecyber.com and check out. Get on Eric Taylor's calendar. Just have a conversation with the guy. It's it's all about good times and protecting your business. Also, throw in some love to my good friends, Recon Infosec. Got the people who host Thursday Defensive, which is an awesome, awesome initiative. Recon Infosec, their managed detection and response, MDR. MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Any size. That means, uh, is my organization too small for MDR? No, any size. Is my organization way too big for MDR? No, any size. Okay, guys? Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team. Okay, they have a very professional top tier MDR service. And you might say, well, I've already invested in a SIM. What do I do then? Like, it it doesn't even make sense. Here's an idea. Call Recon InfoSec. They probably have a way to integrate into your SIM technology. Okay, ReconInfoSec.com. Links in the description below. Eric Capuano, Whitney Champion. Great people. They run the OpenSock IO, uh, or they have traditionally in the past at DEF CON. Guys, they know what they're doing. They're security people who run a security company. It's sick, okay? Now, 
I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Team Live, hashtag audio issues, hashtag anything, so you can be burned into the stream and go back and forensically have an audit trail to show that you are here. If you're live, love it. I see 144 of you here. Good morning. Get ready to have some coffee and some good times. I love it. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay in chat, make sure you put it in the comments. You want to get credit for this. Even when you drop a comment, it timestamps it. So do that and get credit. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. Want to remind everybody we're doing raffles this weekend. Guys, I need my sound effects. Mods, can you tell me in chat whether or not you can hear my sound effects? Because I, I can't watch stream. Uh, I can't watch the, the stream and, and see. Um, we're giving away raffles for the Osinjin OSINT using recon course right here. I've pinned a comment. I've pinned a comment uh, in YouTube chat about this course if you want to see it. I literally took this course last week to make sure that it was legit. I enjoyed it. We're giving away raffle prizes. So stay tuned for that at the mid-roll. Woo! All right, well, let me throw this uh, script out this corner. Thanks, Joel Belton, looking for this. No sound effects, all right. Boo! You guys get manual sound effects today. It happens from time to time, all right? All right, guys, let's get into the news. Let's get into the news, and I'll meet you at the mid-roll, okay? It's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. Russian Turla hackers hijacked decade-old malware infrastructure to deploy new backdoors. The Russian cyber espionage group known as Turla, T-U-R-L-A, has been observed piggybacking on attack infrastructure used by a decade-old malware to deliver its own reconnaissance and backdoor tools to targets in Ukraine. Google-owned Mandiant said the hijacked servers correspond to a variant of a commodity malware called Andromeda that was uploaded to VirusTotal in 2013. Since the onset of Russia's military invasion of Ukraine in February of last year, the group has been linked to a string of credential phishing and reconnaissance efforts aimed at entities located in the country and has also been linked to solar winds. Hmm. Last. All right. Um, give me a second here. <clears throat> Ooh, nice. We got a graphic. I always, I do enjoy a good graphic. I do. All right. Um, Okay, so this isn't, I don't hear this too often. Oh, by the way, Randock Gaming. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I'm doing manual sound effects today. Oh, we got gifted subs. Someone pick up that gifted sub. Thank you so much for gifted subs. Appreciate that. Okay, here's the deal, guys. Um, this is like classic, classic IT system development lifecycle, poor management, okay? So the, the, the TLDR here is, a threat actor is using a US a malicious USB initial attack vector to get in and compromise machines. Now, when we are talking advanced level threat actor, not just like script kitty bullcrap, um, what you're going to have is it's called the C2 infrastructure, okay? And and I know that this might be redundant or old hat for many of you, but if you're new here, you should understand this, right? More house hacks. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, here's the deal. When you compromise a machine or you compromise many machines, like in try, you know, try hack me or haiku or whatever, like, yes, it's you logged into that one machine and you're attacking it and stuff like that. But in, in real life, uh, when a threat actor or a red team compromises a bunch of devices or they might have multiple uh, campaigns going at the same time, they have a central management console, a single pane of glass, if you will, 
uh, where they can see their compromised assets, where they are, what their status is, if they're sending commands like to exfil data or move laterally or take a screenshot or whatever it is, right? So you need that C2 infrastructure. This is the attacker infrastructure. It is necessary in order to run more advanced, sophisticated campaigns. What has happened in this story is that uh, it doesn't say, I, I didn't see it say Russia, but they are attacking Ukraine. So, you know, you could guess that it's Russian based. Um, took advantage of an attacker infrastructure that basically uh, had laid dormant, right? They, they went, they, you know, it was like basically like an action movie with a music montage where they went out into the barn and they pulled the dusty tarp off. And instead of like the cool sports car, it was like a C2 attacker infrastructure. And they're like, Ooh-wee, boy, they don't make them like that anymore, right? So that's what's happening. Um, again, poor system development, life cycle, right? Like if, if threat actors, I don't know if this attack infrastructure was abandoned and uh, the good guys, if you will, were unable to, to take it down and discover it, or if it's one of those ones where like, it's like anything else. It didn't, it was, the threat actors stopped using it. It became a less of a squeaky wheel and, um, law enforcement or good guys basically said, okay, like that's not an issue anymore. Let's lower the priority and keep going. So dude, computers don't care, right? Computers will do what you want them to do. So having this, um, old infrastructure in place, you know, why not leverage it? Now I would say that a decade old, it probably wasn't, it probably has some deficiencies. It may be, I don't know what code it's written in, but you know, just cause it's old, Software doesn't age like cheese, okay? Software doesn't age like like me, right? It's it's not like a, you know, an ASP.NET with like gray beard and it's like, uh, back in my day. So, anyways, be be mindful of this. Also, to to me, more important, more important for like real practitioners, is that USB attack vectors is real, right? We we like say it in training and stuff, and people are like, "Oh, please! Like, that, how's that? How often's that happen? You, it happened in Stuxnet, but it doesn't really happen." Guys, people throw USB sticks in driveway uh, parking lots all the time. Okay, it it's a thing. People give them out at conferences. It's a thing. All you gotta do is plug it into the computer, and boom, off and running. Okay, let's keep rolling. Ass hit with lawsuit over August breach. The August data disaster at last pass just keeps getting worse for the company who is now going to the courts. A lawsuit has been filed by an unnamed individual who said LastPass's failures led to the theft of an unspecified amount of Bitcoin private keys stored in a wallet, which the suit said contained roughly $53,000 in cryptocurrency. The suit is seeking a jury trial to squeeze damages and restitution out of LastPass for a nationwide class that includes any LastPass users who had data stolen in the breach. In December, LastPass admitted that the attack was more serious than had first been suspected, with attackers gaining access to a cloud storage system to steal user password data. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So here's the deal. We, we all know the LastPass uh, thing happened. Uh, somebody, one individual, is suing LastPass because their Bitcoin wallet got emptied for $53,000. And they're, they're blaming LastPass, okay? There's going to be a lot of problems with this, okay? H here's the thing. LastPass vaults and store your passwords. The lawsuit, I'm sure, is going to claim that because they trusted LastPass to hold their keys, 
uh, and LastPass did not successfully do that. It resulted in them getting compromised. There's a whole bunch to unpack here, okay? Guys, first of all, can you, like, can you even prove that the LastPass compromise resulted in that crypto wallet being taken, like, emptied out? Like, prove that to me. Prove to me that this individual didn't have a ridiculously stupid password for their crypto wallet. Prove to me this person didn't have a note, sticky note behind them on stream with their LastPass wallet and password, right? Like, I'm being hyperbolic, but you get my point. I, I think this individual is going to have a really tough time connecting LastPass breach to their crypto wallet breach. Yeah, they may have had their their um, their keys in that in the LastPass, but... I don't know if you're going to be able to prove it, right? It seems more like a cash grab, honestly. Um, and I'm sorry that they lost their $53,000. That sucks. I, I'd be pissed if I lost fifty-three grand too, but at the same time. Um, second of all, LastPass. They store their password vaults in uh, AES-256, as far as I know, and they don't have access to your master password. They don't have access. They cannot decrypt your vault. So... If that individual's vault was decrypted and then their crypto wallet compromised, that means that their master password for their last pass vault sucked or it was a reused password. The, the chances of a strong passphrase being used on a password vault and that getting cracked is, is not high. It's very low. So... In conclusion, I think we can follow this one, but I think this individual is not going to be successful. Um, I don't know what they're suing for if it's just the $53,000. LastPass is a major, you know, multi... I, I don't know if they're in the billions, but they're a big, big company, right? They may just pay to have this thing go away uh, and be less annoyed about it because it's probably going to cost them more than $53,000 in lawyer fees to deal with this lawsuit. But I think there isn't much of a chance that this lawsuit type would be successful i think this is a cash grab and apologies to the person who lost 53 grand again i'm sorry it, it sucks but i think you're gonna have a tough time proving it was LastPass. hackers abuse windows error reporting tool to deploy malware hackers are abusing the windows problem reporting error reporting tool to load malware into a compromised system's memory using a dll side loading technique their use of this Windows executable, which is werfault.exe, is to stealthily infect devices without raising any alarms on the breached system by launching the malware through a legitimate Windows executable. The new campaign was spotted by K7 Security Labs, who believes the hackers to be based in China. The malware campaign starts with the arrival of an email with an ISO attachment. When double-clicked, the ISO will mount itself as a new drive letter containing a legitimate copy of the Windows werfault.exe file, a DLL file, faultrep.dll, and an XLS file, as well as a shortcut file. All right. Amazon. I just realized, too. Oh, God, you guys are looking at this. I just realized, too, that um, I'm not going to have the uh, the music for the mid-roll because that's on my soundboard, too. All right. Um, <clears throat> threat actors abusing uh, werfault.exe. Uh, let's talk about this at the micro level and then at the macro level, okay? Um, basically, basically what is happening is individuals are somehow getting uh, sent an ISO file, probably through, if I had to guess, it doesn't say it here, but if I had to guess, it would be a phishing email with a link to like a Dropbox or a Google Drive uh, convincing the person to pull it down. And then... Uh, basically, they 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 install malware. Okay, it's it, DLL side loading. 
pretty pretty straightforward. They're not reinventing the wheel here, okay? What is interesting and worth noting is that threat actors are using the WER fault EXE executable, which is the Windows problem reporting, which is a legitimate executable on a Windows box, which means it's going to be allowed. Uh, EDRs will be tuned to not hit it. Um, if you go to something like echotrail.com, it'll say WER fault is legitimate, which means if you're a SOC analyst um, and you see this thing happening, you may be like, oh, it's false positive, right? Uh, if you're EDR, you might be tuned not to fire off when this happens, okay? So this is this is not, you may have heard the term living off the land. This is not, in my opinion, this is not living off the land. This is like hiding in the noise. This is like um, a sheep outfit that malware puts on. So then it looks like a Windows process, which is sheep, right? Um, we've also seen this uh, similarly with um, when, when macros were disabled in Windows uh, Office, Microsoft Office, excuse me, and they started using the 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 debugging executable, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of binaries and executables that are inside Windows operating system that are like fringe. They're in the 20% because they don't get used all the time, and they're specifically built for certain things, um, and and they can be abused. It reminds me of um, sticky keys, right? If you've ever if you've been around for a while, if you hit shift like five times on your Windows keyboard, you'll get a pop-up thinking, uh, saying something about sticky keys. And this is supposed to be for ADA compliance and helping people who um, cannot, you know, uh, like, you know, have, have disabilities that would require them to have certain uh, keyboard setups and stuff like that. But you can use that to launch uh, binaries and stuff like that if you can hook it, right? And, and pen testers have done that for a while. So... Be mindful if you see an like if you see a new drive get mounted and then executables running off of it, then you've probably got yourself an issue here. You could see, um, you know, this is kind of a, a graphic showing the ISO file and then what what is inside the ISO file and what is running. Um, th this seems to be kind of like the hack du jour lately, right? The LNK file, the HTML file that that uh, actually loads something, tricking users. I almost wonder if it's it's if it's worth. Oh, here's a graphic. I almost wonder if it's worth um, educating end users to be mindful of HTML links or LNK file attachments. But uh, just looking through the graphic here, um, here's the ISO file people get in. Then they have a link file which then runs the were fault executable on the command line. That's stage one. Stage two does a DLL sideload, which basically means that it, it pushes a a PE file, which is a DLL without the, the, you know, kind of the front end piece of it, opens an Excel spreadsheet, loads up Puppy Rat, which is a remote access Trojan, and then boom, Bob's your uncle, a threat actor's all up in your business, and then connects to C2 infrastructure, which is that attacker infrastructure we talked about a little while ago. So watch out, be mindful of that. Guys, by the way, like besides this, the WER fault.exe, this kind of like ISO LNK multi-stage uh, attack, this is kind of a standard attack sequence right now for, you know, commercial threat actors, right? So be mindful of that. Three will now encrypt all new data with AES-256 by default. Amazon Simple Storage Service S3 will now automatically encrypt all these new objects added on buckets on the server side. While the server side encryption system has been available on AWS for over a decade, the tech giant has now enabled it by default to bolster security.
Administrators will not have to take any actions for the new encryption system to affect their buckets, and Amazon promises it won't have any negative performance impact. Two notable examples concerning Amazon S3 storage buckets are the leak of data from 123 million households in December 2017 and the leak of 540 million records of Facebook users in April 2019, in which the data had not been encrypted. All right. A couple of things here. One, if you've been a friend if you've been a friend of the show for a while, you know, you know that leaky S3 buckets are like one of my buttons like i i get super pissed with <laughs> with leaky s3 buckets for some reason that and uh microsoft remote desktop open to the internet i melt down so this is kind of like an inverted spicy take so i'm, I'm really glad um s3 is now encrypting by default hello like what like why wasn't that standard to begin with but i digress like way to go um this is gonna go this will move things forward a little way to slow down leaky S3 buckets, but I want to remind everybody, okay? This doesn't solve everything, okay? And by the way, if you have like a MacBook or an Apple device with a uh, Mac OS operating system on it, you should enable File Vault. Again, just like this S3 uh, uh, AES-256 encryption, it does not impact you in any way. Like your experience as an end user is not impacted. You just add security without any kind of trade-off. It's, it's brilliant, right? So I do want to remind people that yes, your S3 buckets will be encrypted by default, which is cool. But I, I feel like, I feel like, and this is, again, I, I, I look at this for the first time with you guys, okay? But I do feel like it'll prevent an S3 bucket that's like dormant or static kind of being pulled and uh you know a data exfil happening but a lot of s3 buckets are designed to be accessed right so when it's in production when it's in the system when it's actually supposed to be accessed it's not going to be encrypted it's not like as far as i know you're not like making the query request validating that you're a legitimate user decrypting the data and then being presented the data Right, like when you when you like have uh, encryption on your Mac OS box or your BitLocker on your Windows machine, when you launch, it decrypts the hard drive and then you're off and running in a decrypted state. It's not like it's decrypting every time you access a resource on your computer, right? So all of this is a long way to say that there still will be leaky S3 buckets, as far as I know, because there will be S3 buckets that are incorrectly configured to be internet facing when they shouldn't be, and they'll be, you know, set up for, for being accessed, right? So this solves part of the problem, but this doesn't stop leaky S3 buckets, okay? So just, it's a nuance, but be mindful of that. Gary Sturgis wants to know what an S3 bucket is and what does it do? Okay, yeah. Okay, so S3, first of all, let me just share this with you. I hate, I hate, 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 and I know hate's a strong word. I strongly dislike Amazon's AWS naming convention. If you're with me on this one, preach, right? Amazon names all their stuff like goofy stuff, like like Beanstalk and Dynamo and Route 53, right? Like, And if you know what it is, then you know what it is. Like Route 53 is DNS. S3 is basically... Uh, like a file system or database, a data storage, like a blob storage kind of, right? So S3, think of it S3 as, 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 as like 
a database kind of, right? As file storage, right? You can do all sorts of different things with it, Gary, but it's it's basically allows you to shove stuff into it and then make it accessible. Um, think of like content delivery networks, right? Like like um, like like Netflix, okay? And I don't know if Netflix uses S3 buckets, but Netflix doesn't just have like one server somewhere in the world and everybody's like pulling Netflix stream from that. They have multiple, right? So people in Australia, internal stranger watching Game of Thrones, right? Is that even on Netflix? Uh, watching Kaleidoscope. I've been watching that lately. It's pretty good. Kaleidoscope on Netflix. They, they have multiple content distribution systems throughout the world in order to give the end user a expedient experience, right? So it's all duplicated everywhere. That could be an S3 bucket essentially, right? Of a bunch of data stored in there and then you have them all synced up. So then when you push to one master bucket, it pushes all to the child buckets, right? Um, so that's what S3 is. The problem is some things you want configured to be internet facing and accessible, right? So like um, a bunch of you know, JPEGs or PNGs uh, for an online store like Amazon, right? Like every time you go somewhere and it's, it's like sending pictures and stuff or like in the side nav bar on websites that have um, advertising kind of baked in, right? You want those things to be accessible. But then also sometimes you'll have like software companies that have their their software in repos publicly facing which is wrong you can you can basically toggle on or off public facing not public facing behind an authentication gateway not behind an authentication gateway public ip private ip right like basically um and people unfortunately deploy an s3 bucket and they're like yes i can access it good to go and they don't think that other people can access it hopefully that helps I know. All right. I went, I went a little longer than I think um, Gary needed, but I wanted to do it for everybody. Let's keep rolling. Oh, we got the mid-roll. a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like Salesforce and Microsoft? What about the data these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps and SaaS-to-SaaS -SaaS connections, including which end-users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com, that's A-P-P-O-M-N-I.com, to request a free risk assessment. All right, we're going to break Amazon We're going to break the copyright today since my soundboard's busted. Here we go. All right, we're at the mid-roll, which means a couple things. One, I want to thank everybody for being here. Genuinely appreciate you guys. Shout out and thanks again to the stream sponsors for helping making, making this all possible. Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec. If you're new here, every time at the mid-roll, we play Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me. We have a good time. If you're getting educational value out of the stream, if you're being entertained, if you're enjoying the conversation with chat, take, take a minute, take a second. Do me a solid. Hit the like button. It really does go a long way to help other cybersecurity professionals find the channel, find the stream. If you just stumbled in here, chances are you found out about it because people are hitting the like button on these live streams. So do me a favor. Do me a solid. Hook it up. Would you? See if we can get over 100 today. We're at 232 people today, so that's sick. And we don't even have the uh, automated... Uh, <laughs> We don't have the automated sound effects, guys. All right, guys, we're giving away OSINT uh, using Recon Class right now. If you want to enter and win this course by Joe Gray, 
Joe Gray is a very, very senior, very, very accomplished social engineer slash OSINT expert. It's his course. I took it last week. It's sick. If you want to enter, uh, hold on one second. I got to, all right, get ready, guys. Go ahead and enter OSINT in chat right now. OSINT. Just like that. O-S-I-N-T. OSINT. OSINT to enter the... the um... All right, I see Hussein. Joel Belton's in here. Benjamin Middleton. Carrie, Brett. All right, you guys are getting it. Adam Novak's up in here. Guys, while everybody's queuing up for the OSINT, I want to remind you, if you got your newsletter today, you know dang well how good it is. But if you don't know about the newsletter, every single Monday, including today, I send an email to anyone that signs up at simplycyber.io slash newsletter. And it includes three actionable tasks that you can take immediately to provide cyber risk reduction to your business. One for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives, okay? You can build rapport with your executives. You can help your end users and be the face of InfoSec. And you can reduce cyber risk. And I make it super easy by literally just signing up for this email. You get it? You get it in the email. Randock Gaming. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, Tom Bishop. Yeah, guys. If, hey, you know what? And I saw five people unsubscribe from it last week. That's awesome. Give it a shot. If you don't like it, I don't I don't care if you if if you want to unsubscribe. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I literally am doing it as a as a community service. I've been doing it since like November. People seem to like it. All right, guys. We're queuing up with the la 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 la's. I want to remind everybody I'll be playing World of Haiku later today at 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to come hang out and have a good time. Get the hype train going. That's right. All right, guys, we're going to be doing our OSINT. 116 people logged in. We've got a minute, just a minute left. Thank you, IDK. I appreciate it. Let's get ready to last little bit of people. OSINT, if you want to enter. All right, let's get ready to draw the winner. Here we go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Omar Alvarez. Wow. Omar Alvarez, congratulations on winning the uh, OSINT raffle prize. Guys, uh, Omar, connect with me on uh, Discord. DM me, and uh, we'll get you straightened out. Um, I'll be raffling this off every single day this week. If you're watching on replay, on Thursday, we will be doing the team replay raffle, which means you have to go to Discord to enter. Team Live is allowed to enter that raffle, but team replay will have a chance. So please go to, um, d like, hit exclamation point Discord in chat, and you'll get a link to the Discord. Uh, and I'll have a video on how you can enter team replay. But let's go ahead and get back to the news. On to Axe 18,000 jobs as it cuts costs. Spokespeople for the company, which employs one and a half million people globally, did not say which countries the job cuts would hit, but did say they would include Europe. Most of the job losses will come from its consumer retail business and its human resources division. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy cited the uncertain economy for the cuts, saying it had, quote, hired rapidly over several years, end quote. Amazon has seen sales slow after business boomed during the pandemic, 
when customers at home spent a lot of time and money online. All right. So there's a bunch of things here. Let me pour a coffee. Like, I think we might spend a minute on this one, y'all. Uh, oh, oh, no, I'm out of coffee. Oh, oh devastating. <laughs> Crap. Uh, all right. So here's a couple things, y'all. Amazon to X, 18,000 jobs. Now, that sounds like a lot of people, right? Like, and, and it is a lot of people, frankly, okay? Like a lot of people are losing their job at Amazon. Now, Amazon has lots and lots of employees. So it's a percentage, right? Now, it said a lot of people in HR, which makes me wonder if they're like, you know, if they've optimized their HR processes, automation, whatever. But um, it, it, it's not good. What, the bigger picture here is, for me, for you, like, I hate to say this, okay? But like for me and you, unless you work at Amazon, this won't change anything, right? We're still gonna go on line and buy our, you know, Amazon products. We're still gonna get them shipped to our house. We're still gonna add things to our grocery list, right? Like we're still gonna spin up AWS S3 buckets, right? Like our day-to-day -day will not change. What I would recommend to you as an individual is to take this as an indicator that we are, and we've been in a tough economic time right now, right? Recession, inflation, right? Have you, have you bought eggs lately? <laughs> right? Eggs are wicked expensive. Milk is expensive, right? Things are expensive. So in light of all that, businesses like Amazon will make decisions that have, that are best for Amazon or best for the business. Now, I want to point out that they said, we don't take these decisions lightly or underestimate how much weight they affect on the lives of those impacted. Yes, I'm sure they don't take it lightly. But at the same time, when you are a business owner and you look at like, and this is just real facts, y'all. When you look at your line items for what are your liabilities? Like, what is what is the expenses going out every day or every month? What is the revenue coming in? And if they're, you're not making your percentages, right? Like, oh, we're supposed to be making like 18%, 20% revenue, and we're down to like 14%. Well, we've got to reduce, we either have to increase sales or we have to reduce expenses. Well, what is the most expensive thing in most businesses? Spoiler alert, it's people, okay? There's, there's salary, there's loaded rates like uh, 401k, healthcare, all these other things, right? So it becomes very easy to eliminate people, okay? It, 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 it's like, I don't want to say it's easy because there is an emotional toll, but the guy who fired all these people, I'm sure was like, you know, probably slept terrible that night. But at the end of the day, it's an easy solution. If we eliminate 18,000 people, the numbers go back up, boss. Okay, let's do it, right? Versus analyzing whether or not you should pull out of the European market, right? Or whether you should deploy a new service, right? Th those are really complicated ways to reduce expenses or increase revenue, right? Should we switch to a different Office 365 platform? Should we switch to Google Workspace? How much money would that save us? That's a lot of work. Firing 18,000 people, not a lot of work, okay? So we see this time and time again. I do want to remind you guys 
And, and please, please, if you take one thing from the stream today, take this. You are the CEO of the, the business of you, right? You can take pride in your work. I've said this on stream before. You can take pride in your work. You can feel the mission of your business, but make no mistake, a business is just a business. It's not your family. They will, a business will fire you in a heartbeat if they have to. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, most bosses, most bosses don't want to fire their staff. Trust me, right? There is an emotional toll. But at the end of the day, they will do what is best for them and you need to do what is best for you. So always be, always be networking, always be skilling up, always be listening, right? For opportunities. Keep yourself marketable, keep yourself resilient, right? It's not job security, it's job resiliency. All right, guys. And and the final thing I'll say on this, hopefully I'm not like a naysayer, doomsayer, but like I, I've had this conversation a lot lately. Like, yes, you are grinding to break in the industry, but there's here's a spoiler. And anyone that works in the industry right now knows this for sure. If you're grinding and busting your hump to break in the industry, know that once you get in, that doesn't stop. It's not like you like reach the summit. It's it's more of the same. That's why you have to love. That's why you have to love cybersecurity to work in the industry for the most part, because it is consistent. It's constant. What you're doing to break in, it's very much a lot of the same once you're in. And I, I, I don't want you to like rest on like, yeah, you can take a victory lap and high five people, but you need to like, if you, if, if you don't want being laid off to severely impact you and your, your family and your life and everything like that, keep networking, keep grinding. Keep everything, okay? Ooh, it just sucks. It sucks. These 18,000 people, you know, I'm sure they got a severance package of some sort, but if you're a single family income, you know, you're not sleeping well right now. You're looking at like, how the heck, what am I going to do, you know? Spy note, malware spies on Android users and steals banking credentials. Hackers are using a new variant of SpyNote malware to secretly observe and modify infected Android smartphones, according to research published by Threat Fabric last Monday. SpyNote is a powerful spyware family designed to monitor, manage, and modify a device. Hackers distribute the spyware through fake mobile apps which infect Android smartphones. The new variant impersonates the apps of reputable financial institutions like HSBC and Deutsche Bank to exfiltrate the personal data of their customers. It also disguises itself as well-known mobile apps like WhatsApp, Facebook and Google Play, as well as more generic apps such as wallpaper, productivity and gaming. All right, so <clears throat> a couple things here. One, this targets Android users. If you're an Android user, yeah, I get it that I get it. You're an Android user, okay? Be cautious about where you're installing your apps from. Like there is so many malicious Android apps out there. It's ridiculous. And guys, it's very easy to name your malware chase.com. It's very easy to make the the like the app icon on your on your phone look like the legit one. It's just a picture. These things are easy. It's easy to make it look like the login screen when you push the button, right? But in reality, you're installing malware on your device and probably giving it permissions that exceed what it needs. And it's basically stealing cred, stealing passwords, 
you know, screenshots, peeking where you are. Like it's it's not good. You've got to be mindful of this. Um, you should definitely set up two FA. If you if you don't have two FA on your financial accounts and your email accounts, that should be an absolute priority. This is a good story for your end users. Uh, like I just sent out the newsletter this week, but this might be the end user one. Um, if you are an Android user, you have to be mindful of where you're pulling stuff from. I, I guess the reason that I'm saying it is because, first of all, Android has the largest market share. Like a lot of people in the United States use iPhones, but globally, Android operating systems are far and away the dominant market share. So there's a huge footprint for it. Secondly, this particular piece of malware was leaked on GitHub, right? Right here, leaked on GitHub. So when it becomes leaked on GitHub, you've got to think with any threat, with any threat, cyber threat, you have to do the likelihood of it happening and the impact of it happening, right? Basic GRC 101, it's risk analysis. Well, when the source code gets leaked on GitHub, the likelihood of it happening increases dramatically because there are more threat actors who now have access. It lowers the barrier to entry. Script kitties can now get in on the action, right? So your likelihood's gonna go up. The impact kind of stays the same, but it's still a crappy impact. So be mindful of that, y'all. Kevin Zach unsubscribing. Yikes. Windows Server 2012 Thanks, reaches Kevin. end of support. I hope you. October. Microsoft hope you, hope is reminding customers that extended here. support for all editions of Windows Server 2012 and Windows Server 2012 R2 will end on October 10th this year. Although Windows Server 2012 reached its mainstream support end date in October of 2018, Microsoft pushed back the end date for extended support five years to allow customers to migrate to newer, under-support Windows Server versions. Customers are, of course, advised to upgrade or migrate to Azure. Lab. Oh my God. All right. So this is, um, this has been coming guys. I know so many, so many infrastructures, many of them that I, um, <laughs> many of them that I've been responsible for the security of that run windows server 2012 <clears throat> or, or, or 2008 R2, right? This has gone end of life. It will end support in October. Here are a couple realities. One, if you're a practitioner, this is one of those ones where you need to like lean on IT and bring it up. You, you still have time. Guys, Windows Server 2012 is going end of life in October. We have 10 months to get this lined up. We need a plan. We need budget. We need to be able to have a migration strategy, okay? Now, Microsoft says you can move to Azure, much like with Exchange, you can, <clears throat> you can move to Office 365, right? They're offering that. But guys, lift and shift your server infrastructure. IT Sorcerer is gifting a sub. Wow! We're doing manual sound effects. Thank you, IT Sorcerer, for the gifted sub. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> lift and shift of a server into Azure is, is, is you're just kind of moving the problem, right? You still, you, you, you need to get off of server 2012. That's the real problem all right <clears throat> now the re oh my god <clears throat> couple things here one what you need to do is line up with it a roadmap on how to get off this bring this to the cio's attention make this a priority let them know that this is an issue you need to get off of it 
Now, here's what's actually going to happen for many of you. IT is going to be like, yeah, 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 yada, 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 push, push, push. Then it's going to come to October. They're not going to have, they're going to be, you know, behind on migrating off of 2012. They're going to ask for an extension. Microsoft's not going to allow it. Maybe some wealthy companies like financial services companies are going to pay some you know, exorbitant fee that Microsoft will make available for like a license to extend support, which will be expensive. Um, and then, you know, maybe they get six more months or something like that. And then <clears throat> your business will be operating with end of life Windows Server 2012 infrastructure, um, which will then become a real priority for your CIO. And then maybe in early March of 2023, you'll migrate off unless you suffer a cyber incident because of server 2012 vulnerabilities. And then um, it'll get expedient, like your, your company will dump a bunch of money into it, which they could have saved if they just did it the correct way up front. That's probably what's going to happen. Okay. Oh, Adam Frank just decommissioned a 2012 R2 server. Nice. I'm just telling you the reality I've seen it time and time again. And in chat, if you've, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. You have, all the runway in the world to know that this is going to happen. And because it's not on fire in front of you, it doesn't be, it, 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 it's like, uh, like we'll just push it. We'll just push it. We have plenty of time. Push, 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 push. The date comes, then you're like, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Here, let's do this. This is a preemptive, uh, where's my dog? Where's my dog? Oh, there he is. This is, a. Uh, preemptive October, uh, October, uh, emote. There we go. All right. Let's, let's finish up the news. Week in ransomware. This was a really busy week in ransomware following a bad year for organizations with MSOSOFT reporting that 200 government education and healthcare entities were targeted by ransomware in 2022. As we did report, Lockbit attacked Toronto's Sick Kids Children's Hospital and then apologized, blaming a rogue affiliate and giving the hospital a free decryptor. As of Sunday, the hospital was only 80% recovered from the attack. Rackspace has confirmed an attack by Play Ransomware. Queensland University of Technology in Australia was hit by Royal Ransomware. And US rail and locomotive company Wabtec was breached by Lockbit. The UK newspaper The Guardian had to send its employees to work from home while they sorted out an attacker from an unnamed source. And the LA Housing Authority got hit also by Lockbit. The Black Cat Alf V Gang cloned a corporate victim's website to post stolen data as an innovative extortion technique. But in the good news file, Bitdefender released a free decryptor for the Mega Cortex ransomware, and any victims who saved their encrypted files in the hopes of a decryptor being released can now recover these files for free. If you. All right, so first of all, do we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, uh, Kimberly, for the super chat. I, I appreciate that. Love delivering value to you guys. Um, obviously, if I could play the straight cash homie, I would. Uh, straight cash homie. Um, it is a ransomware roundup. So uh, with the Bitcoin, I have to do the FinFrock. Ding! I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. I love it. I love it. I am not personally a crypto evangelist. That is the sound effect that I would be playing if my soundboard actually worked right now. Um, looks like Kevin Zach said that, is this cybersecurity for your grandma stream? That's re really funny. Um, yeah, the stream's not for everyone. Uh, but if you, if you do enjoy the stream, if you do get value, stick around. If, if not, there's plenty of other great streams out there. You can go check out. Uh, all right. So this is a ransomware roundup guys. I just want to let you know, um, nothing kind of crazy here, right? Um, 
ransomware threat actors with a conscience uh, releasing free decryptors for hospitals with sick kids that got taken over. Um, the, I guess the one, like ransomware is going to ransomware, but I think really the one interesting story is how Black Cat uh, cloned a victim website and then released the data on it to confuse and well to confuse end users and to embarrass the um, the the victim organization in order to promote uh, like like victims customers trusting going to the website and then actually you know pilfering through the data and stuff like that. I don't know if it's worth uh, I don't know if it's worth it to the threat actors to spend the time to clone the website. Like you know I don't know if it's uh, their return on their investments worth it. All right. Hey, Poner Joe. Good to see you, Left Coast. Good to see you up this early. Um, Poner Joe's been quiet. Um, so it's good to see you. Um, Joel Belton with the super chat. Do we just become best friends? Yep. Need Smokey Bear emote. Let me know if you guys want to. Um, let me know if you guys uh, want a Smokey Bear emote, a hater emote for Kevin. Oh, that's okay. No, no, no. Everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Uh, I'm totally, you know, guys. It, Simply Cyber is an inclusive community. You know, if someone's got a, a negative take, you know, that's fine. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. Like, there's there's not a whole lot to pick apart on the ransomware, guys. Just just know that every <laughs> every day there's a ransomware story, so it's pretty easy to to stay up on that one. Let's get some music going. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. I want to thank Joe Gray from the Ascension for donating the raffle prizes. Congratulations to Omar for winning the prize. Stay tuned every day this week on the Daily Threat Briefing. We will be... Um, thank you, Michael Torres, for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yep, a little bit of jaw jacking. Uh, let me just say it, right? If you're here just for the news, uh, that concludes today's stream. Thank you so much, Barricade Cyber Solutions, Recon InfoSec. Hit the like on your way out. Genuinely appreciate all that. Uh, as we are prone to do, I like to spend a few minutes talking with Chad after the news is over. But if you're just here for the news, thank you so much. And we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Now, chat, let's jaw jack a little bit. I'm doing the uh, World of Haiku live stream today at 4 p.m. If you want to come hang out, uh, playing video games, talking cyber. <laughs> uh, Eric Taylor's in chat. Good to see you. What's up, KevTech IT support? KevTech crushing it. I saw some great videos from KevTech out there. K. Scott Powell, um, my pleasure. Hope you're uh, recovering well, K. Scott Powell. Um, no need for hater emote. Hater does not need that kind of attention. Yeah, I agree, Rhoda. It's all good. Um, I do have some client deliverable work to work on, so I won't be jawjacking very long. Um, Eric Hildebrand, thanks so much. Guys, want to remind everybody that starting this Thursday, January 12th, starting this Thursday, January 12th, Tuesdays and Thursday streams will be at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Monday, Wednesday, Friday will continue to be 8 a.m. Good to see you, Jack Scott. Monday, Wednesday, Friday will be 8 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, starting this Thursday, will be 10 a.m. I teach at the Citadel. My class is at 8 a.m. I cannot do the cyber threat briefing and teach at the same time. I. I am a very busy person, but I, I, even I can't pull off teaching while doing the threat briefing at the same time. Um, if, if, you know, please chat, if you can share with uh, other people who, who may, may have missed this update or, or got confused or whatever, starting Thursday, we will do that. Arturo, what's up? Thanks so much for the great show. Valuable content. My pleasure. Great to see you. Come back tomorrow. 
Can't get Haiku working. Destination server error, error, error really looks awesome though. Uh, if you get an error, definitely contact support or hit up the Twitter and they'll get you straighted, straightened out. Let's go, Nick. I'm a mailman breaking into tech and been watching your videos. They are a huge help SOC analyst in the making. Yes. Thanks so much. Um, thanks so much. Let's go, Nick. I also want to say the sound effect. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, thanks so much. Let's go, Nick. Um, I, hey, uh, well, I'll save it for tidbit Tuesday tomorrow. Uh, but appreciate that, Nick. Maybe, hey, if you want, Nick, when you uh, break in, um, you can be on the show. I can interview you and we could do mailman to cyber. I want to remind everybody that I am doing the Roll to Cyber series of videos. And um, there's a, uh, what what one is it? Tomorrow, tomorrow I have one dropping. I think it's Heavy Equipment Operator to Cyber. Let me look really quickly. I think it's Heavy Equipment Operator to Cyber tomorrow at, uh, right after the stream ends. Let me see. Yes. I think it's uh, Andrew Bollinger. January 10th, dropping tomorrow. But uh, let's go, Nick. Would love to do Mailman to Cyber. That would be a fun a fun stream. Plus, that would mean that you're a SOC analyst, which means awesome, right? Going to have to step out, get some more out there. Duke Norris, yeah. Shane Himes in the house. First time listener. Been following you on LinkedIn for a while. Oh, thanks so much, N. Jordan. Appreciate it. This is what we do here. We have a good time. All about good times. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. Today was Monday. Callan's artwork of the day. I, I screwed that up. This is Callan's artwork. It's titled uh, Cow in Tornado. Okay. He wanted me to... This is the tornado. These are the cows, obviously. Callan wanted me to let you know that he literally said no cows were hurt in the making of this art. So thank you so much. Every single day of the week has a different kind of theme. Today is Callan's artwork. Tomorrow is Tidbit Tuesday, where I share a personal uh, thing about me. Uh, Wednesday is Worldwide Wednesday, where we touch everywhere. Oh, got a fun fact for everybody. Worldwide Wednesday, you'll see it. Just the Worldwide Wednesday segment piece has been sponsored. Uh, I'm super excited about who the sponsor is and sharing that with you guys on Wednesday. Oh, thanks so much for the Super Chat, Celia. Uh, Randock Gaming, any news on the new course, if I may ask? Uh, so Randock's asking about the Cyber 101 course, I would assume. Uh, it's all mapped out. Um, I've, I've begun filming uh, of the Cyber 101 course, so stay tuned for that. That one's going to be a very big course that, to me, Cyber 101 is going to be the, um, con con consistent with the amount of education and content that you would get in a semester-long university course. In addition, I'm working with uh, a group called Hypercube. You guys don't have to really worry about this right now, but um, I'm working with this group, Hypercube. I've got it on stream right now, um, which will allow me to build labs. So the Cyber 101 course is going to be lectures and labs, and I'm going to be going hard on it, okay? So stay tuned for that. Um, hopefully that answers your question, Randock. Go on, Jim Wales. We'll see you soon. All right. Rhoda, Carrie, Jim, yep. I, hey, like, being real, I think Cyber 101 course would probably come out, if I'm being real, like April, April time frame. All right. Guys, tune back tomorrow 
for um, for the stream. Genuinely appreciate y'all being here. Let me, let me send you out with some really good. I already blew out the uh, copyright, so we'll do this song here. I do love this song. All right. All right. We might have a smoky emote. We got to put a new emote uh, out here. We've got, we got to just do the raffle. Guys, I want to wish you all the very best. Be good. We'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m. or later at 4 if you want to hang out and party. Be good, everyone. Have a great Monday. Thanks for being here.